Hello and welcome to the Spice Cast, the podcast where we talk about spices and spicy moments in our everyday lives. I'm your host, Ruben, and joining me this episode is a very special guest. Would you please introduce yourself? Hey, Ruben. I'm Sophia, the very special guest here to talk about sumac. Very special. Yeah, as uh, as you said, really excited to have you on and really excited to talk about sumac today. Um, so before we get started, let's get a couple of things out of the way. You pronounce sumac generally very differently than we do in the U.S. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so I'll be switching in and out of saying sumac, but also submit, which is how I more comfortably say it. Um, and a lot of folks, when they hear me say it, they think I'm saying cement. So I'm not saying cement, I'm saying submit. And the reason why I say it that way in, in, in Lebanese Arabic, we don't say the k or the k sound. So it kind of just trails off a little bit. So it's submit. Yeah, so if you hear us saying sumac or submit, that's the same spice. And that's what we're going to be talking about on today's episode of the Spice Cast. So really excited for that. And without further ado, let's get into it. So Sophia, what are your favorite uses for sumac uh, or some of them? I know you have a lot. I primarily love using sumac for dressings, mostly for salads. I'm a salad gal, so whenever I make a salad, sumac is my primary uh, spice to kind of add in. It works really well with lemon. I like very acidic um, salad dressings, vinaigrettes and stuff. So that's my primary use for it, but it does come in handy when I'm eating a lot of other like bread type foods or anything with like lamb or beef. It, it adds a nice tangy flavor to kind of anything really. Yeah. It's so good with meats. It's Mm -hmm. really good with veggies too. It's just like a very versatile spice. I really love it. Um, as part of a spice rub for like a grilled meat situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I feel like that's maybe my favorite, but I think I just haven't had it quite as much because it's not quite as popular yet in the US as it is in the Middle East and specifically Lebanon. Yeah, sadly. It is subtle addition to a lot of dishes that you don't maybe notice that they're in. Um, so a lot of ground lamb or beef dishes, it might be mixed in with the spices while they're being cooked. But it just highlights that oh, meaty yeah. flavor so well and cuts through the fat. And I, I don't know, I just, it's such a great addition. Um, I know on one episode of a, a, like a former Bon Appetit show, they put it into cranberry sauce for Thanksgiving. Ooh. And that was a really interesting application. And it was very controversial that they were doing that at the time between the different members of the staff. Huh. So that was pretty interesting, I thought. That sounds cool. I mean, it sounds like those flavors would work really well together. There's a lot of tartness there. Yeah, but I'm not quite sure what the sumac would be adding since cranberry is such a True. strong flavor. But I I mean, it certainly wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't take anything away. And it might add additional like zinginess and tartness. Yes. So and there's cool. that little level of bitterness that I mm-hmm. think sumac has that like adds another level that you don't really expect. I like it. It's got a bite to it. Yeah. So before we get too ahead of ourselves with what we can use it for, let's talk about what sumac is. Um, So sumac is the ground fruit of some species of sumac tree, um, which are in the Rus family uh, in Latin, which is related to a lot of different fruits, including cashew, mango, pistachio, but then also some other, uh, you know, less edible plants like poison ivy and poison oak. Um, the fruit itself of the sumac tree is crimson in color and the taste like we've said is often considered tart and tangy almost like lemony Um, but Sophia you had something to add about uh, a slightly different characteristic I I wanted to add that it does for me have a bitter a bitter taste to it it's it's similar to I don't know I'd say like espresso in the sense that it just has this like level of bite that you can't really describe, but it adds something to it that you don't necessarily, you can't find in a lemon per se. So that's why I think it's a really nice kind of next level of acidity. Yeah, in, in some ways for me, it reminds me of like lemon zest yes, more uh-huh. than lemon juice because mm-hmm. there's like that little level of bitterness and a little bit of like fibrousness mm-hmm. when you have it as well sometimes. Um, we have talked about that how it's used in foods, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. 
I just also wanted to mention that it's also used in beverages, mm -hmm. in traditional medicine around the world, and also as a dye. So it has this beautiful crimson color, and it's been used to dye any everything from fabrics to leather to, I don't know, pretty much everything for thousands of years. There's... Um... There's a thing about marble and keeping cement away from marble because if it gets wet on it, it can deeply stain it. Right. Which I think is so interesting because I had a lot of marble in my house. In, in Lebanon, it's a very common stone to use in housing. And we had cement everywhere. And it was, I'm just like, I'm surprised that we didn't stain as often, but... I just thought that was an interesting characteristic because it is a very deep color. Or maybe only if it's untreated marble or something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm no I'm no stone person or stone mason. You're not a stone mason? I, I'm sorry. I'm no stone mason. <laughs> I only invited you on the shows because you were a stone mason. Oh, shoot. I did lie on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, one thing that you should be aware of when you're thinking about sumac is that you should not confuse it with poison sumac, which mm. is more closely related to that poison ivy and poison oak that we were talking about earlier. It has white fruits rather than red fruits. So if you see the fruits, you can identify it that way. If you do touch it or if it comes into contact with your skin or body, it can cause severe reactions, um, including rash and itchiness. And it, I mean, it's toxic. So don't touch it <laughs> if you see it. Um, and probably, you know, stay away from it if you can avoid it. And I'm, it's got a good indicator, you know, you, there's a red and there's a white one. So yeah. you can steer pretty clear. But if you didn't see the berries, I guess you might have That's true. trouble. But That is true. Anyway. So let's uh, talk about how sumac is used as a, as a culinary spice. Most commonly, it's used in food, like we've been talking about. Um, and I, I want to touch on a few of the most common uses. And I also want to uh, ask you, Sophia, about some of your experiences with with sumac in Lebanese cooking, specifically in some of your personal stories. Mm -hmm. So um, first off, sumac is used as an ingredient in the spice mixture za'atar. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm sure I'm not getting that pronunciation quite right, but do you want to talk a little bit more about za'atar? Za'atar is such a common used spice mix all over Lebanon or all over the Middle East. I mean, it is, it's used in flatbreads, it's used in cooking, it's used in um, just about anything. There are, It's coming over to the U.S. now as a popular ingredient for bagels. So if you go to a local bagel shop here in D.C., you might find a za'atar bagel. Uh, which will have sumet in it. So it's it's very common and it's now starting to become popular, which is nice because then I can go and get a za'atar bagel like I used to back in Lebanon, but, you know, we didn't really put on bagels there. <laughs> so just to be clear, um, za'atar is also a plant, right? Uh, well, it's a bunch of different herbs together. So it's sesame, it's thyme, it's salt, it's sumet. Um, all together to kind of make this za'atar mix. So za'atar okay. is thyme. Another common use for sumac that isn't in za'atar is to add it to rice. And this is popular in a lot of countries throughout Western Asia, South Asia, Middle East. Like this is just super popular. Also, and you mentioned this earlier, Sophia, to season salads. Mm -hmm. um, so do you want to talk a little bit about some of the salads that you might find with uh, sumac? The first salad that really comes to mind uh, and the one that really heavily depends on sumac is fatouche. So fatouche is a type of salad and it depends on where you're from. Uh, the ratios and the types of ingredients kind of change. Uh, not dramatically, but it's always it's a romaine lettuce base with uh, radishes, green peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, and a baked or fried Arabic bread or pita bread um, cracked on top sort of thing. And the dressing itself is cement, pomegranate molasses, lemon, garlic, uh, salt, pepper, and oil. And the garlic is also optional. Like I like putting garlic in my salad because I just love garlic. Uh, and I think that it all works really well together. So 
Fatouche is like my favorite Lebanese salad and it is a cement go-to. I always get it stuck in my teeth because I eat, I ate fatouche a lot growing up. So I would just constantly have cement in my teeth as you would, um, I don't know, eating anything that's like a darker spice in a food. Do you have any personal stories with uh, sumac and salad or salad dressing particularly? Yeah, I do. I have a few. Um, the most common one is when I was younger, um, because I wasn't really well versed in making fatouche on my own. I was always the sous chef in, in my family kitchen. So every, every night uh, I was really craving having a salad. I would just get a cucumber because, you know, um, we also have uh, cucumber tomato salads that, that we eat in the morning. But uh, I would cut up a cucumber into halves and I would just quickly crush up some garlic, throw some olive oil in there and lemon and cement and salt and pepper, mix that up quick, throw it onto my cucumbers and let that sit for a little bit and then eat that because I was just really craving that acidic kind of taste. Uh, so I would just go out of my way to make those salads and my family always thought it was ridiculous. They're just like, you're eating so, so much like acidic salads. I'm like, I really enjoy this. It's very tasty. So I don't know. I mean, they there's, kind of, there's no harm, right? There's, I mean, I don't, I don't know. My mom always said that I'd, I'd get an ulcer or something for eating so, so much. Le I love lemon. So anything that's acidic, I'm very drawn to, but that's one story. Another story that I have, which is more recent. Um, so I went to Montana to, uh, so my, my roommate and my uh, close friend is from Montana and we went there just this past month to see his family and I'd never been out West. So it was a really fun trip for me. Um, but I was out there and I wanted to kind of make a Lebanese dinner for uh, his family just to say thank you for having me and so I you know I got uh, I got some skewered chicken and fatouche I, I really wanted to make fatouche because it was an easy salad and I th thought they would they, they would really enjoy it um, so my biggest concern was I forgot to bring cement with me my plan was to bring pomegranate molasses with me and cement because I knew that they wouldn't have it out there and my guess was right when I was out there and I was getting all the ingredients in their main store uh, I could not find it anywhere I had to go to another store and they didn't have it anywhere either and then I had to go to I had gone to three different stores like and I could not find it at all finally um, I was told that there was this one like hippy dippy expensive called the real food store and I went there and they finally I finally found some in the most expensive uh, kind of shunned uh, grocery store like a, a lot of folks in 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 that city were not a fan of it but I was very happy to finally find it because I was able to make this salad for them but I was running around all over the place it got to a point where uh, my friend's mom had told me that there was a cement tree up the street and I was I was about to go up there and harvest it because I was like I have to make them the salad but you cannot make it without cement like you can't do it it'll just be a boring salad it just adds something else to it um, but fine I'm, I'm just glad I found it in that store because I really was about to harvest uh not ready cement and poison everybody <laughs> well and how was the real food store sumac uh the real food store sumac was like it was like real cement they they got it right um it was good uh, it was yeah i mean they got it right so if you're in helena i think right yes it was helena montana if you're in helena and you need some sumac you should go to the real food store and if the real food store would like to sponsor the spice cast <laughs> uh we would be happy to have that sponsorship and you can reach out to us at podcast at the spicecast.com real easy way to do it there nice yeah. i love the plug mm -hmm. <laughs> uh if you're also looking for cardamom because they don't have that in other stores either really yeah i was in one of their larger stores ground or Gra whole? Any. any i i was in um i think it's called a winco uh winco supermarket and i asked one of the folks who was working there she's really dissing on winco right I, i'm sorry i was just so shocked because i was like hey so do y'all have cardamom and he looked at me and he said what's cardamom and i was like <laughs> Okay, never mind. I I realized that most of the spices out here that are very popular are garlic, pepper, salt, um, but not cardamom, I guess, or cement. So yeah, the real food store. Real food store. Check it out. Highly highly recommended by the Spice Cast. <laughs> 
Another uh, super common way of using sumac is to season meat, as we've mentioned, um, including as part of a dry rub. That's what I talked about. It's also common, or it is commonly used for kebab or variations on kebab. There are a, a thousand different mm -hmm. names for that dish, um, but that um, is a very common seasoning. And I think, like I was saying, it just draws out something else in the meat uh, that wouldn't be there normally. Mm -hmm. Also, I, I wanted to highlight a particular dish, and I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, but it's something like moussakan, uh, and it's a Palestinian dish, actually the cons considered the national dish mm -hmm. of Palestine um, by a lot of people. Uh, it's roasted chicken with, uh, you said, lamb, onions, yeah, sumac, allspice, saffron, pine nuts, and then all served over a flat um, bread. Mm. And if any of you have made this, I would love to see pictures. I would love to know what you think of it. Um, I have never had it before, but it sounds so good, and I would really love to make it or have it somewhere um, sometime soon. Heck yeah. I'll try and learn how to make it, honestly. <laughs> I won't do it any justice, but I would love to also learn how to make that. Yeah, that sounds just so good. Mm -hmm. uh, also, like you mentioned, Sophia, uh, sumac is sometimes used on top of flatbreads or as an ingredient that that you put in a mixture that goes on top of a flatbread. Yeah. And I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about lambagine. Uh-huh. Uh, so lambagine means uh, meat in the dough, uh, literally. So it is a flatbread that has ground lamb or beef uh, with pine nuts and um, tom uh, roasted tomatoes and onions all just laid out on top. And, it, and it usually you can cook it the cement with it or you can add it on top afterwards. And so how we do it in Lebanon, um, what, what I like to do and what we usually like to do is we put the cement on top after it's cooked and then you squeeze lemon on top as well and you wrap it up and you eat it with yogurt. And that acidity with the yogurt together is all just like, with the meat, oh, it is, let me tell you, one of my favorite dishes. And you can have it for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, for a snack. It's great, honestly. So that goes into, like, you can use sumac as a substitute for lemon, like in a salad dressing, perhaps, or you can pair it with lemon in a salad dressing, or in this case, on top of a flatbread, and I feel yeah. like that's really great. Oh my gosh, it is the best, honestly, for me, when it's paired with lemon. Uh, it, it feels kind of naked, honestly, without it. Um, I feel like they just work very harmoniously together. It's a little surprising because it's like acid on top of acid. Yes. But what, what about it works for you? I think for me, and I'm glad you asked that, is because the lemon has a sweetness to it in comparison to cement that the cement doesn't have, but the cement has the bitterness that, like you said, you find it in the zest, but you don't find it in the juice. Mm. So when you put it together, they just kind of, it's like acidity to the, to the nth degree, but not to the extent that it'll hurt you or it tastes like um, like a sour candy you can't stand. Mm. Um, and then if you add yogurt, mm -hmm. you're adding like a third level of acidity, but a different then also type. creaminess. Yes, exactly. And it, it it's so great because you can also, and what I like to do is I put cement in the yogurt mix as well, or in lebne, which is like a different type of yogurt. Uh, it's a little thicker. And that I like to, whenever I make yogurt, dips or things on the side of meat dishes, I like to put cement in it to add another, that kind of second level of acidity. And you pair it with either mint or garlic or cucumbers um, in the yogurt to go with whatever dish you have. And it's just so great. So when I'm making some uh, Middle Eastern dishes, and especially when I was making mujadra, mm -hmm. um, I made a yogurt sauce for it. And I put in, as you were saying, lemon, mm -hmm olive oil and sumac yes and that was so delicious and that was probably one of the first times i've ever had like all three of those together and it was it was great and then i also went to a local palestinian bar that we have here in dc and i had uh flatbread with zatar mm. and lemon and yogurt and that was amazing as well so i feel like that's just such a great combination is that the green zone you're talking the about green zone yeah i would shout that out because they're great they have really good authentic food i love them and yeah i would just recommend and checking them out great drinks as well great drinks if you're into that. great drinks <laughs> yeah um 
One other that you had mentioned, but I didn't have in my notes, was Manousha. Oh yeah, Manousha is great. Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to begin with it. It is the quintessential breakfast food that we have. It's like in the U.S., you go get a bagel when you're running to your job or to school or anything. In Lebanon, it's Manousha. You get all kinds of you get manushi with lebne in it or yogurt in it with mint and tomatoes or you can get it plain you can get it with cheese you can get it with zatar and cheese it's so versatile and it's so easy to um i wouldn't say easy to make but you can make it at your home it's just the way you actually make manushi there's a specific type of oven you use um but it's it's really great i would recommend trying to make it because it's, it's a homey food. And just a quick note on both of these dishes that we've mentioned, Lambagine and Manousha, they have different names throughout yes. uh, the Middle East and uh, North Africa and some parts of Asia as well. So if you see it with a slightly different name, that's probably why. Um, Sophia obviously is using Lebanese names. Yes, I will only be, I, I can only speak from my experience living in Lebanon. So Manousha or Manaish, that's how we say it. So uh, further uses for sumac mixed into fried foods. Mm-hmm. So I have a little category here. Uh, falafel is a is a common one, and kibbe also. Um, do you have any stories or want to talk about either of those? Oh yeah, um, I'd like to add also sambusak, which is the mm-hmm. fried um, kind of lamb pocket. Uh, so it's mixed in with the meat inside there. But uh, I didn't honestly eat a lot of falafel growing up. I ate more falafel moving to the U.S. It's very common here. Um, but kibbe, ah, I love kibbe. It's, I love it in both of its forms that you can find it. Oh, there's three forms. There's like a raw kibbe. Um, but then there the cooked forms. There's one where it looks like, I like to call it a little meat football. It looks like mm-hmm. an American football. It's fried on the outside and uh, ground on the inside. And then there's the flat kind of, you make it in a large circular pan where it's fried on top and um, ground on the bottom. I love kibbe, my mom. It's one of her favorite dishes to make, one of her favorite dishes to eat. So we ate it a lot growing up and you usually eat it with a yogurt on the side. Um, it's, yeah, it's a home food. They're all just good home homey foods that are kind of hard to make at first, but once mm-hmm. you sit down and you learn it with your grandma or your teta or your, like your, your family, that's something that you kind of you pass on and when you're making kibbeh do you mix sumac into the batter or is that only only with some of them from my understanding i've watched my dad make kibbeh a few times and my mom but i was never really super present in the long process but i'm assuming it's the same way that like the meat is being the ground meat is being Mm. cooked with it so there's also in, in Lebanon, we use a seven spice uh, mm-hmm. Lebanese mix that's very popular that you cook into the meat to kind of um, get rid of the meaty taste, but also add spice to it. And I'm assuming that that's where the sumet comes into Got play because there's I don't I don't use it after it's cooked. Mm-hmm. I don't add it on to it. The hambajin is where I will more commonly add that on after it's cooked. Cool. Yeah, so I wanted to call out also a, a Syrian dish. I don't think it's extremely common, but I did find it when I was just doing a little bit of research uh, called Kuba Sumakia, mm. and it's specifically kibbe that has a strong sumac presence. Mm. Uh, and I think it's mostly found in the Aleppo region. So that was a really interesting uh, dish that I'm interested in trying. But Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, the more sumac, the merrier. Yeah. <laughs> And then you've mentioned, I think, hummus a little bit, but uh, sumac is often used like on top of mm-hmm. hummus or other spreads, other meze dishes. Yeah, it can be sprinkled on top. Um, while you're dipping, you get that nice little bite here and there. Um, <clears throat> sometimes you can add paprika or cayenne, honestly, mm-hmm. on top of hummus to get those little bites depending on what you're looking for. But yeah, it's it's easily used as a garnish, uh, and I've seen yeah, baba ghanoush is also where you'd put that on there with pomegranate um, seeds to go on top. It's very refreshing uh, to go with the dips. Yeah, that's. I mean, 
It just seems like you can pretty much put it on anything. You can you can literally put it on anything probably, and nothing would go wrong. Like you could I put love it on it. ice cream. And I, it would be straight delicious. up, if there was a cement ice cream out there, I would eat it. I used to be the kid who would get lemon ice cream and I was just like, this isn't tart enough. I need more. <laughs> so a slightly different usage and a slightly different origin um, in the world of beverages, sumac mm-hmm. is sometimes steeped to make a, a drink that's sort of related to pink lemonade. Uh, that's what it's sort of compared to and that is a native american tradition so i i thought that was super interesting that there are these two different um two different native species one is native to the middle east and or actually multiple are native to the middle east Mm -hmm. and one particular one is native to north america and so it was just like used for thousands of years in these different ways i've tried to make uh cement lemonade oh i i I did it in a like it wasn't the right way clearly you have to have the whole like berry stem Mm -hmm. and steep it in this process but i did try to make a bastardized version of it uh using the the herbs the 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 spice that i have in its ground form uh it sort of worked and i could taste that cement flavor in it uh and it was delicious it was it was really great i kind of just want more but the problem with it is it gets stuck in your teeth as i've mentioned before right so you're walking around with all of it in your teeth (laughs) so if you do the whole berry maybe it would it would probably not do that that. yeah (laughs) and i think and something interesting i i think it's similar to lemonade it's like a cold steep so you might have Mm. to leave it overnight um in there or even like a couple of days in the traditional method um so that that was pretty cool and i i would like to try it the other thing that i wanted to mention about that drink was that it has a really funny slang name and since the since the uh the species name is rus for sumac it's called rus juice and that i is, heard about that, that is, i feel like that's just that's, that's hilarious it's that's so such a great rus i need a little bit of that rus juice <laughs> i mean it sounds uh a, a lot more alcoholic than it yes. is i think but but I, I, I don't know. It sounds great. So do you have anything else to add about um, common uses for sumac in food? Um, not that I can think of. Honestly, uh, for me, it's just it's a really if you are using it for the first time and you don't really know how to use it or what to use it with um, salad dressing, it is just really easy to use and pair. Uh, then I would say the next level would be to pair it with meat and see how that works out. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a good start Oh yeah, for anybody. And uh, I think if you're not in Montana, you might be able to find it in your local grocery store. You would hope. Um, but uh, if not, you can always pick the berries and, make sure dry, and dry them. Make sure they're in your, season. Yep. Yeah, make sure they're in season. <laughs> yep. And then dry them yourself and then grind them up. Uh, but I would recommend buying it from a store first yes. if, you, if you've never done it before. Oh, yes. Cool. So with that, let's move on to a tasting. All right, so let's taste some sumac. Okay. The first one I wanna taste is uh, just the standard Grocery store U.S. sumac. What is it, Morton and Bassett? It's Morton and Bassett. All we right. love Morton and Bassett on the Spice Cast. Hey, Morton and Bassett's good. It's the, I think, highest quality spices that you can get in For its Safeway. Price? Oh, yes. Yes, that's where I usually get them. So that is not bad. Yeah. So let's see what this tastes like. Can I note the color difference? Yeah, so it's much browner. It is much browner. It's a darker color or darker shade of crimson. It's more of a brown compared to the cement that I brought, which is straight from Lebanon. Let's see how it tastes. I mean, it certainly smells tart. Oh yeah, it smells like sumac. Yeah, there's no denying it. It's got a very strong smell. But the flavor is not like incredibly strong. No, it is a little weak, but it's still cement like you can taste the kind of salty like it's got like a like salty acidity to it um but with that one i think the acidity or the tanginess is a little more well let's try it yeah sorry i brought it but i'd like to like to see a reaction here let me 
Yeah, so like Sophia said, this is Lebanese sumac. Mm-hmm. It's no Morton and Bassett. <laughs> no Morton and Bassett. Mm. I mean, it, it's a lot tangier. Mm-hmm. It's a lot brighter. It hits you like sort of straight on the front of your tongue oh, yeah. in a different way. And it just covers like anywhere it touches, you taste that on your on your tongue. It also, the, the one from the U.S., I think, has I can't. like one note of a little bit of sourness. Mm-hmm. But this one is like a fruit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like something that's sort of like a raspberry almost or like a strawberry. Like there's definitely a berry quality to it. And you can taste it. You can taste that deepness, like how deep it goes in the flavor. Um, I'm sorry, I keep eating it because I'm like... I'm very, I love, I love this stuff. It is good. This but is really good. Thank you for right? bringing it. You're, of course, you're welcome. Yeah. I, I, if you are in the position to get sumac from Lebanon or get real, like fresh ground sumac, I feel like that is the way to do it. You're because, in for a treat. Yeah. It's really good. Oh yeah. Not that the Morton and Bassett is bad. I, I will still accept a Morton and Bassett sponsorship. if they, But it ain't no, yeah, it ain't no Lebanese not, cement. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's certainly not. But it is it is good and it's a good substitute if mm-hmm. you're in the U.S. and you can't get um, anything directly from of Lebanon. Course. The real food store. Yeah, or <laughs> the real food store. So what is this? Okay, so I also brought uh, a Zatar mix that, honestly, I have two Zatar mixes. There's... Um, and these are both from Lebanon, but this one has more cement in it than the other one. And you can tell by the color, if I brought the other Zatar mix, you could see one kind of has an olive brown kind of tone, but this one has a reddish olive tone. Uh, what I'm explaining is like the spice mixed all together and what kind of color it sort of gives off, but you can smell the cement in it and you can taste it. Um, Mostly what I can smell is something like thyme. Oh, yeah. And sumac is sort of like a an undertone, I would say. I, I, I'm, I've got a nose for it. <laughs> Anytime I smell it, I'm like, that's mint. You can smell the tanginess. Wow. Sorry. Right? And the, the taste is amazing. Quite. Mm. Mm. It's like herby, but then there's like immediately zinginess yes. and yeah, I'm, I don't and know. And the sesame seeds with it add a little like, n- like a not in a nutty, but like a nice mm-hmm. kind of medium ground to have all these flavors play off. It's great, really. My sister used to make zatar chips. She loves zatar so much that she'd get some Arabic bread and toast it up and then drizzle with oil and zatar and retoast it and then just eat it with lebanon because she was just so into it um which i don't blame her yeah it's so good sorry i, I can't stop i first had it on top of a like manusha mm-hmm. in rochester actually and it was it was so like eye-opening that there was a spice mixture like that it was like i had never tasted anything like it before it was so good oh yeah not that is special. It really is. It is like a defining spice mix for our people, really. And if you are missing some ASMR in your life, we're going to shake this uh, yeah. jar now right in front of the microphone. Yeah, hear that Zatar. It's the sound of Zatar. Uh, and now ASMR of a real sumac plant. Yes, a quick question. Do I have any in my teeth? Uh, undoubtedly. Oh my goodness, I knew it. No. Every time. <laughs> I, I'm sure we both do. I'm sure we both do. We just tasted like three a bunch different of, yeah. things with sumac. No regrets, honestly. So Sophia has also very kindly brought a little sumac twig here. Yes. Uh, with the berries attached. Mm-hmm. They are sort of They're so small. felty. Yes, in, little furs. In feeling, yeah and like dark red and they are i mean they're really beautiful and if you rub rub it the red comes off pretty easily so that's why it's used as a dye i guess there you go and can you smell it at all like when you first picked it so i found this specific branch uh i was in uh i think it was in west virginia actually uh i was at a cabin with some friends and uh a friend of mine who's more well versed in appalachian and west virginia um plants and foraging identified 
sumac and this was the first time i'd ever seen it in the wild honestly hmm. so when he brought it up to me it was like i found some cement you like cement i was just like this is what it looks like amazing uh and i brought it home just to kind of keep around it's really beautiful it, there are it's pointier than it is as you see it now but and a lot brighter right our listeners can't see it at all but yes, it is no 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 it is very beautiful and i am surely gonna do something way too loud right now when i rub it on the microphone okay i hope the red doesn't it'll be fine cool you're so funny <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah so that's sumac for you that's really nice i you know actually when i was growing up we had sumac trees um in the the front yard mm -hmm. But, and it, it was always a, like a very beautiful red color in the fall. And all of the birds would come in, especially the crows would love to come in and eat the sumac berries. So, um, I, but we were always told like to sort of stay away because I, I, I don't think it's super great to rub, yeah. rub sumac berries on your skin. It'll irritate you for sure. Um, you definitely have to- If they're not to, cooked. Yes, if they're not cooked or if they're not cleaned properly, it's the, it's the hair-like kind of that you were feeling that felt that starts to irritate um, mm -hmm. after a certain while. Yeah, so as kids, we were always told like to stay away, not because it was like poison sumac or anything, mm -hmm. just because it might irritate our skin, I guess. I, I mean, the thing that I've learned is that it's all over the US. I found them in West Virginia, Montana, and now in New, in New York. So yeah. I, I'm assuming it's common regardless of the kind of temperature, um, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think it's not common in the South but yeah but uh, up north like all across maybe the US, in, in a dry drier areas i don't yeah. know yes i think so i think i think so yeah hmm. we might have to look, uh, look that one up if you are a botanist and you want to contribute to the to the show we'd love to hear your your knowledge of sumac um since neither of us are yeah i i would love to know more <laughs> so please write to us at podcast at the spicecast.com you can also reach us on Facebook at the SpiceCast podcast or on Twitter at the SpiceCast. And we would love to hear your sumac stories, uh, whether or not they have to do with the plant's botany or anything like that. Um, it would just be great to hear from you and we will uh, talk about it on the next episode. So that would be fun. So with that, let's move out of our tasting and into some history. a little bit about the history of sumac. I don't have a ton on this. Um, I couldn't find a ton of information actually, just in my short research that I did. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did, as I mentioned before, uh, sumac is native to the Middle East. There are a couple of different species that are native to different areas around there. Um, and a different species is native to North America. Mm -hmm. And the one in North America was primarily used by Native Americans, which makes sense, uh, like thousands of years ago. The one in the Middle East spread to South Asia, spread to West Asia, spread a little bit up into North Africa and Europe, even like two or 3,000 years ago. So that was really cool to see like sort of that influence and kind of amazing that it didn't spread beyond that like pepper, like black pepper did. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I just thought that was interesting. Hmm. Maybe white people didn't really know what to do with it. Uh, that, like, to that be really is, fair. That is the case with a lot of spices, so... If it's not salt or pepper, what y'all doing with it? <laughs> so, uh, sumac was, was used in ancient Greece and Rome. Um, and in the 11th century, a ship off the coast of Greece was wrecked. And in the 1970s, when they dug up not dug up, but like fished up mm -hmm. the remains of the ship, um, they found literally tons of sumac on Whoa. board. And so they don't really know if it was going to be used for as a spice or as a dye, but it was apparently going around the coast of Greece and into like Western Europe to be sold there. Wow. That's so tragic. Yeah. Yeah. So like tons and tons of berries. So... Um, in addition, like 
by the 1200s. So that, that was the 11th century. So that was the, the, the 1000s, I guess. Mm -hmm. But by the 1200s, sumac was regularly exported to Western Europe, including um, Spain, I believe. And it was popular with sort of the, the richer classes of Europeans because it was quite expensive, similar to like pepper and mm -hmm. nutmeg and all, all of those sorts of spices around that time. So after that, I don't, I don't really have any notes. So now I don't really know who the biggest producers of sumac are. I would guess that the U.S. probably produces quite a bit and also that it's produced quite a bit in uh, Lebanon and other Middle Eastern countries, but that's just a total guess on my part. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk then about medicinal use. medicine, sumac has been used for at least a thousand years, probably much longer than that, but the records that I could find dated back about a thousand years. Um, in the Middle East and South Asia, it was, it was and continues to be used to treat upset stomach, ulcers, diarrhea, animal bites, cold, dysentery, eye problems, and just for general pain reduction, and like a ton of other conditions. So it's pretty multi-purpose wow. in that way. Um, one thing I wanted to, oh, that's, that's a little bit later about vitamin C. So Native Americans also used it in their traditional medicine to treat similarly varied things, colds, sore throats, fever, diabetes, infections, di diarrhea, dysentery, scurvy, and like a ton of other conditions as well. So it's just like extremely wow. useful. Oh my gosh. Of course it is. Yeah. And, um, I did want to mention on the scurvy front, mm -hmm that most species of sumac may have some trace amounts of vitamin C, but probably not enough to impact your diet. So I would not rely on sumac as your primary source of vitamin C if you are just like not eating any other vitamin C. Okay, so if I go out to sea as a sailor, mm -hmm. uh, I should not just bring a bottle of sumac. You should probably bring like some lemon juice or something. Okay, okay, okay. And not just a bottle of sumac. However, the, the variety that is popular in Lebanon and a couple of other countries around there is the one that has higher trace amounts of vitamin C. Mm. So if you were going to pick one, you should take Lebanese sumac rather than American sumac on retweet, your voyage. Retweet. Yeah. Well, also, <laughs> I mean, I, based on our taste, our very limited taste test, it's better. Yes. So you'd want to anyway. You'd want to. <laughs> but uh, in addition, you would have higher levels of vitamin C on your, on your voyage. Heck yeah. Um, in terms of modern scientific studies, there was a 2016 study that found sumac to be an effective treatment for hypertension, so high blood pressure. Um, it was better than the placebo. It was not as good as the standard uh, modern medicines that are mm. used to treat high blood pressure, so I, I wouldn't necessarily rely on it. Mm -hmm. But uh, it certainly isn't going to hurt you to eat a whole bunch of sumac if you have potentially high blood pressure. So That's good to know. I'll, I'll yeah. keep that noted as I get older. <laughs> I'll just keep adding them to my salad dressings. <laughs> I mean, in any case, it's not going to hurt you. No. So definitely uh if you're in the habit of consuming a lot of sumac you're it's not going to hurt you so continue doing that i i can vouch for that actually <laughs> as somebody who has done that <laughs> um there have been some preliminary studies in addition i saw one from 2014 uh, that were investigating reducing blood sugar through the intake of sumac uh, as and as a treatment for diabetes you'll notice that diabetes was one of the uh conditions treated by Native Americans with sumac. Mm. Um, so that was the basis for the investigation. There were some good results, but not enough to produce like full findings so far. So I think it requires further investigation to see whether that would be a, an effective treatment. So that's those are some of the studies that have been done. Um, there have been others as well, but they were l even less conclusive than those. Huh. Um, so there's, I mean, as with, I think, a lot of spices, there's still significant research to be done to see if there are actually proven health benefits to the level of, like, modern scientists. Yeah. Or whether it's just, like, general well-being or in specific use cases. I'd be very interested to know about the data that comes out of that or just the research that would come out of that because spices are great. And if you just find out, like, I, learning all this stuff about how it would treat upset stomachs and ulcers and colds and stuff. It's it's just really great 
Yeah. And reassuring. Like the the good thing about spices is that hardly any of them have negative effects yeah. in the amount that we would normally consume. So it's really just it's never a bad idea to consume more spices. They don't have like, you know, fat or many calories. Are you telling or people to spice or... their foods but more <laughs> more frequently? I think that's what the whole podcast is. That's the whole is podcast yeah. is y'all need to use more spices. We're le- we're learning. <laughs> we Americans are learning. <laughs> As I say, y'all, in my sentences. And I would like to clarify, white Americans are learning. Yes, Others have yes. known for a long time. I love that. So um, with that, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk about some pop culture. So there were a few instances of sumac in pop culture that I was able to find, um, and I wanted to talk <laughs> about it, a couple of them. Uh, first, in 1917, there was a silent Western drama film mm. called Wild Sumac. Oh. And I think I would like to watch this, although I, I would like to as well. I don't know how long it is, um, but or if you can or even what it's fi- about? or you can even find it. Well, it's a Western drama. Okay. So okay. That, that's a good start. That is a good start. Uh, uh, I'm curious about the plot, you know? Yeah. Are we looking for Sumac? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you've watched it, please let us know. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, um, maybe, you know, it would be a good recommendation for the future. There are two musical groups that use the name Sumac. Um, one is, quite famously, I learned, a Peruvian soprano singer named Ima Sumac, who is... was is and was known for her incredible five octave range whereas the average trained professional singer has a three octave range she had like over four and a half octaves of range which is so impressive crazy and if you listen to uh i believe it was called chuncho Mm -hmm. um her performance of that is just like otherworldly unreal i could not take my eyes off the screen i could not not listen to her that was incredible yeah she is just like an amazing amazing performer and then just also like incredible natural talent oh my gosh quite a stage presence really yeah can capture an audience with her voice yeah so she was a a peruvian singer and she eventually moved to the united states and performed all over the u.s including on like major national tv programs and things like that so i i didn't know about her before this episode but apparently she was very popular um in the like 50s through 80s yeah i'm gonna look into her more now and and give her more of a listen because that was a very interesting clip that was incredible yeah and uh in addition sumac is the name of a canadian atmospheric sludge metal band (laughs) uh which you know we just listened to a little bit of it uh during the break (laughs) and it is not my style but it is interesting (laughs) it's not my style of metal either yeah and both of us are big metal fans yeah so to to have it be not either of our styles is a little bit unusual it it is a little unusual but i'm also not surprised (laughs) yeah i mean there's plenty of there's a lot of metal out there that i don't vibe with but uh yeah i'm gonna try a different atmospheric sludge metal bands to just see what the heck's up with that <laughs> yeah so uh their name is just sumac so if you search for them metal you can search for sumac metal band and you'll you'll find them uh one final thing that i wanted to mention uh is the stanford university mathematics camp <laughs> which is abbreviated su cool. lowercase a capital c so sumac and it is a competitive math summer <laughs> camp for high school juniors and seniors and I think I actually had somebody that I knew that went to this camp when we were growing up. So I, I don't know, just a cool, that's cool, cool connection. Um, so if you went to Sumac, uh, <laughs> feel free to email the show podcast at thespicecast.com. We'd love to hear your Sumac story uh, about your, <laughs> you know, your summer math camp. I'd love to hear about those math stories. Yes. Yeah, we always love math stories here on the Spicecast. <laughs> So were there any other final things that you wanted to touch on in terms of pop culture or history or food or anything related to sumac? Any stories you didn't get to tell? Um, not that I know of. It's just such a prominent and common spice in my life and where I'm from that it's it's just kind of there with you, like salt and pepper. Uh, it's reliable, really. That's all I have to say. I do love sumac or cement and... 
I mean, I, I do have to add that saying sumac really is driving me crazy. It's getting to the point where I'm saying it now, like, freely. Partially my like, fault. Well, it's not even, I was in Montana looking for it and asking every store vendor. So it's, mm-hmm. it's also just being in a place where I'm constantly saying sumac because everyone around me was very confused about what I was saying otherwise. So other than that, I don't really have anything else to add. I'm just glad that you had me on here. It was really fun. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you once again. It was great to have you and to be able to share your experience on the show. I'm really excited uh, to talk about Sumac with you. I mean, we've talked about it before. Yes, we have. But I feel like it it was a, a different level. Today. No, definitely. This this made me think about it also at a different level than I usually do because it's so commonplace for me that it's I don't I don't think about it otherwise. So it's it's been good to kind of look into it more. And I did bring that Lebanese cookbook and now I'm honestly going to look at the recipes that do focus on sumac as one of the main ingredients and try to make those. I feel very inspired. Yeah. they. I mean, they look amazing. So They're very, yes, I can't even imagine. Anyway, just wanted to say thank you again, Sophia. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Spice Cast. It's been sort of a, a combo of the, the regular Spice Cast and what spice means to me. So um, sumac is a really important ingredient in a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just would encourage you to go out there and try it and buy it um, if you haven't before and use it in your cooking because it is really versatile and really delicious. So uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap up the show. Um, I have been your host, Ruben, and this has been episode 22 of the Spice Cast. Please like and subscribe. Thank you for listening and good night. Spice cast, what? what?